Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Clement. Our program is brought to you by our good friends at Gainesway. From top international bloodlines to rising stars on American soil, Gainesway has put together a stallion roster that is not only primed for future success, but is currently making its mark on the track, led by Caraconti's rising star, Spenderella. Make sure to check out their entire roster for 2022 and see for yourself the power, passion, and performance of Gainesway. Glad to have you with me today on the show where we'll recap a little bit of what just happened with all of the sales action up here in Saratoga between the Saratoga Select Sale, the New York Bright Yearling Sale, and then of course, big graded stakes action coming up this weekend. So have some really terrific guests with some great insight today. And uh, hard to believe we are in week six of Saratoga. Clearly, it's getting to me because, fun fact, I actually am on my third try of recording this intro because I just kept bumbling over my words and then I started choking on my coffee. It's just, it's been, you know, it's been six weeks. It's it's a little bit rough up here. Anybody that spent more than a week up in Saratoga, you know, it just starts to get to you. Um, the sales were just electric, so exciting, having so many people in town, absolutely packed, particularly at the select sale with some incredible numbers. We'll talk about uh, two of some of the high-priced yearling fillies that sold um, at the sale, the select sale on today's show with uh, my two guests. And then again, of course, looking forward to the weekend, grade one Alabama this weekend, which means next weekend is the Travers, which is just crazy. It feels like the summer has been going by so quickly, but hope you all have been having as much fun as I have and hope you enjoy it today's show and we'll get right to it and welcome in my first guest. So happy to welcome in Lynn Hancock, Director of Sales and Racing from Stone Farm. Lynn, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I am so excited to have you on. No problem. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be uh, here. And, and, and as mentioned, you, um, and we were just chatting about this, you do a lot of different roles at Stone Farm. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that first before we kind of recap the sales, which has been everybody's focus up here in Saratoga. Um, what's kind of the, the day-to-day like for you with being back involved in racing and being involved with Stone Farm? Yeah, it's I, what I love about it is it's different every day. Um, I'm obviously focused on the sales and the racing, but do a lot of um, kind of different bloodstock, I guess you'd say, with my dad. We go out and look at all the foals. Um, I do some property management. I do insurance as well. So it's kind of a mixed bag and um, keeps it interesting, that's for sure. There's always something new going on. Um, I talk with a lot of clients and keep them updated. And so a little bit of everything. You mentioned your dad, of course, your your whole family is so well known and respected within the sport of horse racing, but you went and had another life. You you worked in design and, and you were really involved in art, but you came back into the horses. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey and what brought you back? Yeah. Um, well, I was an art history major. I went to Swanee in Tennessee and um, I, after graduation, went to New York well, I kind of, I went everywhere. I hopped around. I lived in LA for a minute, um, but ultimately landed in New York doing interior design for a firm called Coleman and Kravis, um, which was a great experience. I loved, I loved doing it, but I knew I didn't want to live in New York and I've always loved the farm and the horses and um, kind of wanted to figure out a way to get back involved um, with the family business. And 
I went to Australia after I left New York and, um, just loved, I went down to magic millions and, um, ended up spending some time working for Craig Brownsfeld, boomer bloodstock. And, um, really just from there wanted to keep getting involved in different ways in the business. And I wasn't sure it would bring me back to, you know, where I am now, but, um, always wanted to do something with the farm and that's kind of how it, how the path led. (laughs) Would you say, because you did take a different path uh, than than many people who are always just set on being in racing, which is amazing. And I I, I think it's so cool to see family generations that continue on and carry the torch. Would you say that it kind of reignited your passion a little bit because you did take a different path and do other things before coming back to horses? I think definitely. I'm, I, I think a, I learned a lot of really valuable lessons. Um, in my time in New York and, you know, I I spent a little bit of time in Houston and I worked on Capitol Hill for six months. So I I did a little bit of everything. And, um, I think that has really helped me in my current position, even just in terms of talking to clients, keeping people updated. Um, and also it's funny, there's kind of a little overlap there with attention to detail and honing your eye. And, um, I, I do feel like that helped me as well. And like you said, coming back and, uh, working with the family business, it, it's it's never felt like something I had to do, um, which which I think is a nice um, thing. I never had like the pressure to do it. So um, being able to go do some other things and then make that choice myself and um, being so involved in the farm, it's I I love it. It's been a really great great um, I guess path to get here. So. <laughs> And how was it growing up for you? Because um, I know, for instance, like my, my husband, his parents pushed him to do anything other than racing and experience other things. And he just always kept coming back to it. How was it growing up? Like you said, you never felt that pressure or your parents, you know, supportive of you, of you taking a different path. Yeah. I'm, you know, growing up, it was, it was never, it was always something we could do and always something, you know, we'd go around the farm and obviously you've got all the horses in your backyard. So um, you're involved in some capacity you're getting a dose of it in some capacity but they never made us you know go to the sales or go to the races or anything like that um except for saratoga they made us go to saratoga that was our quote unquote family vacation which was a little bit of a working vacation yeah. um but yeah we we were really all able to choose you know i've got five siblings so they're a bunch of us and and they didn't pressure us to do it but um you know some of us came back and have wanted to be involved and kind of my sister Alex worked in the office, um, worked at the farm for, I think it was probably about five years before she's, um, having kids now and hopefully we'll come back someday, but being able to choose and, and not feeling that pressure, I think definitely, um, kind of makes you more excited about it. Cause it's, it's something that we want to do on our own. If that makes sense. So. For sure. And and um, something that I think is amazing, too, is that you really kind of have been doing it on your own, too, with bringing successful consignments for the farm up to the sales and kind of taking over that torch. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey and some of the pressure of kind of taking on that side of things and bringing these horses up and hoping to uh, have success in the ring? Yeah, well, I've always loved the sales. That's kind of been one of my favorite parts. And like I said, growing up, we we never had to go to the sales, but I always loved going. And I remember really distinctly when Fusaichi Pegasus sold as a yearling. And I just, I've always loved, I don't know what it is about it, but it's a culmination of 
so, so much hard work by so many different people. And, um, you know, that taking those horses up to Saratoga by myself. Well, last year I was truly by myself, <laughs> no, no family members there this year. My mom was up there and my sister, and, um, that's a huge help just when you're traveling and, um, doing all of that. But, um, you know, I've, there's definitely a certain level of pressure, but at the end of the day, it's a, a nice horse that was all, all of the Saratoga horses that we've taken up the past couple of years and done really well with have been bred by Bobby Flay. So mm-hmm. he's done the hard part of breeding the horse and we've gotten through the hard part of raising the horse. And, you know, there's a lot that can, can go awry, whether it's x-ray issues or injuries or anything like that. Um, as you're raising them up and getting, you know, ultimately pointing towards a sale, like the Saratoga sale, you have to ship them up. You've got to get the consignment all set and all that. So a lot of hard work goes into it, but, um, it's kind of when you get up there, there's the pressure a little bit goes away. Cause you've gotten to the, you've gotten to that point. So, um, I really enjoy it. It's, it's always fun to take a nice horse to a, a kind of boutique sale like that. And, um, when they're there for, you know, four or five days showing, it's hard for people to miss a, a, a horse, a horse like the filly we took up this year, who I just absolutely loved. Um, she was a personal favorite of mine and, um, just great to get results, good results for our clients. And, um, and I know it makes the guys that have, you know, fold her and raised her up and worked so hard, um, makes them really proud too. So it's all around good for everybody. So. Yeah. Hip number 126, the Curlin Philly out of America. Um, she sold for 2 million and she, she really struck me Lynn, when I first saw her because obviously Curlin, a tremendous sire. She's the full sister of first captain who I know stone from also consigned. Um, she has this amazing pedigree, but then looking at her physically, she's almost built like a cult, you know, already as a yearling, you could see that class in her. Yeah. She was always just, you know, up at the sales, you could see it, but from the day she was born, she's always just been, had that physique, just very strong. Um, she's always had a good mind. She's just a really classy filly. And, um, she went up there and showed herself well and took everything in stride. I mean, she did not stop walking. She went out so many times, um, more so than any of the other horses we've taken up there. And, um, she just kept walking. So I love to see that when they're up at the sales and, um, she would lay down, take care of herself and just really, really lovely Philly. That's a part of it too, because these are young horses and yes, with the boutique sale, with the pedigree, the physical, all that is important, but the, the mental aspect too, of them being able to handle the sale. And it seemed like she did that really, really well. And and that is a big piece of it that you can't just see in a catalog. Yeah, exactly. She, she, she went up there and like I said, she just kept walking and she would stand up. She just had so much class about her. I think a real presence. Um, again, I, I love, I love that feeling. So she, I'm high on her. Um, but she, As you she really be. did. And, yeah. And, but you know, it is tough, tough on them. And they, she'd never been off the farm. So she gets on a van, a Sally van for 14 hours and goes up and is in a new place and being shown and everything. Um, you know, we, we only sell what we raise. So I think that's also a kind of makes it more special when you get the good results um, like that. We've been involved with her from, from the day she was born. And um, I love it when I go up to the sales, I can tell people everything that's ever happened to her off the top of my head. You know, I've any surgeries, any, she a cribber, you know, you know, all of these, these things, cause you've been around them and um, seen them in all the different phases of their life. So 
that that was really special to um, get such a big result up there. And it adds an extra layer too, because as as we all know, there are so many people that cross a horse's path before that horse makes it to the races, you know, before they even come to the sales ring, back at the farm, before they're even created. Um, for the staff, for the people at the farm, for your family, can you talk a little bit just about all of that, all of that prep work before they even come to the sales grounds, let alone even think about making it to the races? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was, I loved up in Saratoga, the guy who was showing her, Julio, he, he does all of our foaling. So really my mom put it this way and I think it's so true. He, his was the first face she saw when she entered the world oh. and, and, you know, for him to be able to take her up there and show her and do such a great job. And, um, you know, back at the farm, his brother did most of the prep work with her and, you know, we, we don't do a whole lot of prep. Um, we just mostly do hand walking. Um, and it's a lot of hours spent grooming and getting them prepared. Um, but prior to that, you know, raising them, making sure they're healthy, making just so much goes into it. And, um, you know, the guys work so hard, so super special for them. And obviously for the family, that was so fun having my mom up there and my dad stayed home. He's getting ready for September. <laughs> That's what he said. Um, but just, just really special. I'm, I, we've had such good results up in Saratoga and we've sold some nice horses at Keeneland and of our own as well. But that was, I kept saying that was the, the first one I've sold with a two in front of it. So that was really exciting. I, um, actually think I blacked out a little bit when, before <laughs> the hammer dropped, I was like, wait, was it two or 2.1? I didn't know what had happened, but, um, no, just, just super exciting. And again, like Bobby Flay, Bobby Flay bred her and he's just got such high quality mares and, um, we're just grateful for the opportunity to be able to raise them and, um, take them up there. And he loves Saratoga. It's how he got hooked in the horse business. He would go to Saratoga with his grandfather. So it's a special place for him and, um, just a really great, great experience to go up there with a filly like that and get some good results. So. I had Bobby on, on the show a couple months ago and um, was picking his brain about the matings and all of the prep that he puts into the breeding side of things because we see him at the races as an owner, but he's he's so knowledgeable about pedigrees and, and the mares that he has and the matings that he puts together have been so successful, which I think is just an incredible side of it too. And his passion for the breeding side as well as for racing. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with Bobby? And as you mentioned, you've had a lot of success bringing horses that he had bred up to Saratoga and selling quite well and they'd be good on the track too yeah yeah exactly I'm like no I don't know if I can go back I might have to retire after that one because <laughs> no, no pressure for next year you know yeah. um but no we Bobby's great we've got a great relationship and um it, I, I appreciate so much how involved he is in his in his breeding program and I know he spends hours looking at those matings and there have been times before where we're like, oh, do, you, do we need to switch stallions if we can't get in? He's like, well, not really, because I spent hours doing that. So mm -hmm. he, he really is in there um, doing a lot of a lot of that research and a lot of that work. Obviously, Barry Weisford helps advise him and James Delahook. So whatever they're doing, they're doing they're doing it right. They've got a good program <laughs> going, and um, we're just a, appreciative to to get the opportunity to work with them and. He really does just have such a high uh, caliber broodmare band um, that, you know, allows us the opportunity to take a nice horse up there and, and have some fun. So, yeah. You, 
you knew there were high expectations for this girl in Philly. She was kind of the the buzz of the sale going around leading up to it too. And I remember speaking to you right afterwards and just the excitement, you, the big smile on your face was amazing to see. Um, I know you said you blacked out a little bit, but even just <laughs> which is understandable too, you know, even just reflecting on it, what's that feeling like um, seeing I mean, such a successful sale at a sale like the Phasic Tipton Saratoga? Yeah. Well, like you said, we had high, high hopes. Um, you know, at the farm, we've known she's very nice and she's taken everything in stride, done everything right. Um, but, you know, you get them up there, a little bit of the pressure's off because they're in the stall. But then, like you said, you get a little bit of buzz and people are like, oh, this is a nice horse. Some, I had some people come by the barn and they were like, I just want to see what what a nice horse looks like. <laughs> I was told to come and look at her. And um, so obviously that starts building a little bit of uh, tension and excitement. And, um, you know, you can never hope for a result like that. You, you, I was hoping she'd bring, I thought maybe one and a half to two. Cause I, mm -hmm. I thought she was really nice, but you can't, you can't expect that ever. So, um, Oh, it was just really exciting and fun to be there with, um, my mom and some, my sister, she had to leave before the sale, but my sister Hutchie was there with her family. So um, it's nice to be up there. And I know it's so fun for Bobby to have his daughter, Sophie, and his whole crew there. Um, so it's just super exciting. And uh, you always are thrilled when you get a good result like that. But that was, that was, uh, that was about the most exciting one I've been involved in. So, <laughs> well, like you kind of alluded to, you said, you know, what are we going to do next year? Because that's, that's racing in a nutshell, isn't it? You have a, a great success, something so exciting. And then you're always looking forward. And I know you, of course, have, September coming up, Keeneland, the fall sales, uh, a lot going on back at the farm. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that the team is is gearing up for? Sure, yeah. Well, we're getting on the immediate radar is uh, the September sale. Um, we've got, actually have a book one uh, Bobby Flay consignment. They're all his horses. So we've got five in book one. Um, and, you know, just grinding, getting ready to <laughs> You take them all up there and um, also meanwhile getting ready for the November sale we've got a couple that we're selling in October um, at Phasic Tipton so it's super busy time of year but also really exciting and and same way with the Philly we took up to Saratoga um, you're just kind of the anticipation of getting them getting them where they're going mm -hmm. um, we've been working with all of these yearlings since they were born and um, kind of just trying to get them to their best state so we can get them up there and see what they can do so um you know busy with prep busy with book placements for november and everything else and it's never a dull moment around here i can tell you that <laughs> that i'm sure of well i really hope for the absolute best of september and then all of the sales coming up after that huge congratulations again on the success at saratoga and thanks for coming on i, I really, yeah really thanks so much it. Thanks so much for having me and um, hopefully we'll see you in September. <laughs> really happy to welcome in Aaron Wellman of Eclipse Thoroughbreds taking some time out of his busy morning today, which I so appreciate. Aaron, you have a, a very big week going on up here in Saratoga. First of all, can you just tell me a little bit about what the feeling is with your Eclipse partners, what the excitement is as we get just a few days away from the grade one Alabama this weekend? Absolutely, Acacia. It's electric. It's one of those buildups to 
such an important and historic race like the Alabama, which we've been fortunate to compete in in the past. And we've placed a few times with some of our marquee fillies, but we've never won it. And to come here this week with a filly-like nest and the hype of a rubber match between her and Secret Oath and you throw in gerrymander and a couple other really top-notch fillies. And our partners are busting at the seams, ready to get it on. Ness was unbelievable in the Coaching Club American Oaks, and she's been such a fun filly to watch this year, running second in the Belmont Stakes against the boys, and then just that open-length score last time out. It, she seems like she's one that's really just continuing to improve with each subsequent start. She really is, and it's a testament to Todd Fletcher and his staff and the entire Fletcher program watching this filly develop and evolve into the powerhouse that she's become that you're starting to see right now. We've had a very enterprising campaign. <laughs> Obviously the uh, Belmont was a big swing for the fences against the boys. She ran awesome that day, arguably with all respect to Mo Donegal and, and credit to him, arguably blessed on the occasion, but to come back and make an effort like that and run the way she did in the coaching club, American Oaks was nothing short of brilliant. So we just hope that she can maintain that form and all indicators are that she is. Mm -hmm. Now you've won the coaching club American Oaks before back in 2015 with Carolina. And as you mentioned, she finished third in the Alabama. Um, she's also affiliated by Curlin, Nest by Curlin, who dominated in the CCA Oaks. Can you help yourself in maybe kind of starting to draw a few comparisons and thinking about like, wow, it's crazy that you get to be on a ride like this again, because it, it's not easy to get here. Yeah, it's, it's really remarkable. We were actually thinking about it. We've been up here. This is our 10th season since we started Eclipse. And just with Curlin Phillies alone, as you mentioned, we won the coaching club twice now with Curlin Phillies, Carolina, and Nest. Uh, we were actually placed in it with another Curlin Philly point of honor in the coaching club and the Alabama. So now to be back with our third Curlin Philly in 10 years to either win or place in the coaching club. And hopefully again, the Alabama is pretty special. He's his special stallion to be sure. It's really hard to make comparisons between these Phillies. Um, Carolina was sort of a slight uh, made Philly that, that took some finesse to get her from race to race. Mm -hmm. uh, Point of Honor was more of a strapping, sturdy sort that she just wasn't that fast. She just sort of grinded it out and stayed trips. Uh, but Nest is a combination of all their best attributes, to be honest with you. She's just got an incredible high cruising speed. She stays the trip and she's able to maintain her pace throughout nine, 10 furlongs, which is rather incredible. And I think what's really shining through aside from the brilliance of Curlin and his staying power is the constitution of the AP Indy on the bottom side. This is what she was bred for. This is what she's built for. And when you buy types like this with 
her physical and she's a big powerful filly but she's got a lot of refinement to her as well but when you've got that type of pedigree to fall back on this is what you dream of this is mm -hmm. what you hope they will ultimately evolve into and you know after she won the demoiselle last year which is a mile and an eighth at aqueduct in november of her two-year-old year if you had asked me okay if she does train on from two to three what do you think would be her primary target as a three-year-old? I would say the race that I would think that she would have the best chance of winning as a grade one would be the Alabama. Mm -hmm. So to have won the Ashland, to have won, run second in the Oaks, second in the Belmont against the boys, to have won the coaching club, and now to be in the position to potentially have a shot at winning the Alabama is really the trajectory that we had always hoped for. And the mile and a quarter here, over the demanding Saratoga dirt uh, should suit her to a T, but we're certainly not taking it for granted. We've got a ton of respect for Secret Oath, who definitely wasn't herself in the coaching club. And you got to assume, and all indicators are, that the coach has her back on top of her game. And a filly like Gerrymander is awfully good. And when Chad Brown has one that he's pinpointing for a race, he doesn't miss the target too often. So... And the head-to-head and -head matchup with Gerrymander is Gerrymander won Ness Zero. She beat us in the Tempted yeah. last year. So, you know, <laughs> she, she deserves a whole lot of respect coming off her Mother Goose win as well. So it's, it's a really good lineup. I think it's so exciting for the fans. And for me, the Phillies class this year has just been so fun to follow and so much talent in there. And I loved the way that you put it in talking about the trajectory that Nest has taken, and especially for Eclipse, which of course is a syndicate, and being able to have a dream basically with a talented and well-bred filly who looks like she has some ability, and then to be able to carry on from race to race. That's what horse racing's all about, right? And just the, the journey that one horse can take so many people on. No doubt. There's the old adage, it only takes one. And at Eclipse, we've been blessed to campaign a lot of good fillies over our 10 plus year existence. Nest is vying for contention for, for best of the best. And that's mm -hmm. a pretty heady group. But you're absolutely right these are so hard to come by and to be able to put together a campaign like nest is in the midst of and sustain that top tier that elite form is so difficult to do and again credit to todd and his staff and and nora and amelia have gotten on her all year um her grooms uh you know it, it's it's really takes a village uh, and you got to have the right type of filly with the right constitution, and she certainly has it. Uh, I always am worried in this series at Saratoga, the coaching club to the Alabama, that it's a really difficult two-race series to pull mm -hmm. off. She was so good in the coaching club. Um, you know, we can certainly monitor her and evaluate her and watch her every day like Todd does. Uh and believe and have conviction that she's going into this just as good, if not better, as she came into the coaching club. But it's still really hard to string these two races together up here for some reason. It's very taxing on these young fillies. And she's had an incredible campaign already so far. So, you know, you sort of have your guard up a little bit. Can she continue on this trajectory? 
like I said, all signs are there mm-hmm. that she can and will, but until she goes out there on Saturday evening and, and lines up against this stellar cast of Phillies and does it, um, you know, you can only just appreciate what she's done to this point, know that she owes us nothing and, and appreciate the ride and, and hopefully it just gets better. Now, at the sale, at the Fasic Tipton Select sale, you stocked up on another curl in Philly, as you mentioned, the success that you've had with them. Um, hip number 151 curling out of grade one spinaway winner, Cassie Streamer, um, for, for a million fifty thousand. And she's absolutely lovely. Can you tell us a little bit about her and, and the partnership put together as well? Sure. Yeah, there were, there were two really knockout curlin fillies Mm -hmm. at the sale in our opinion uh one was bobby flay's filly Mm -hmm. out of america who of course is an apnd mayor uh she was spectacular Uh, we got outrun on her uh but arguably pound for pound from a physical perspective we thought that the curlin filly out of cassie's dreamer who incidentally is by flatter who's by APND. So it's the same cross as Nest curling on top of APND. Uh, but aside from the pedigree component, which clearly is very, very strong and potent, we just love this filly physically on the shank. She was a queen all week long. She handled the rigors of the sale exceptionally well. Uh, she moved really fluidly, uh, just a lot of elasticity to the way she got over the ground great mind and and you know we try to pick up on those intangibles class intelligence presence you know that help us understand whether they've got the mental fortitude not just the physicality to be a top tier racehorse so look she's just a yearling we forked over a lot of dough between eclipse and mr lapenta uh, Saul Cuman actually uh, joined the partnership as well, as did Barbara Banky um, after the fact. So we've got a great group. Mr. Lapenta has been a great partner of Eclipses for many years, uh, and we've been fortunate enough to experience classic success with Taprid in the Belmont in 2017. So he's just as game as they come and a great proponent and supporter of the business and of Eclipse. So we're really excited about her. Obviously, time will tell as it mm-hmm. always does, but these elite bred fillies don't come to market that often, and especially with the physical attributes that she presented at the sale. So we're pumped, and hopefully, she'll carry the torch from Curlin Philly to Curlin Philly, who, who wear the baby blue and black eclipse silks. You've got two Phillies at the select sale and then a Philly and a Colt at the New York bread sale too. Um, It's kind of that time of year where everybody's excited about their runners on track, but you do start thinking about, as you said, who could potentially be wearing our silks new two-year-olds for next summer to kind of stock up and, and get ready for that. And again, racing in a nutshell, you're only as good as the last horse and you always have to keep looking forward as we kind of march into all of these yearling sales that have started and of course will be coming up in the fall. It's a big time for you and and for everybody that's looking to restock the stable for next year. No doubt about it. It's a power in numbers portfolio business Mm -hmm. and we're blessed here at Eclipse to have a wonderful base of loyal partners who 
continue to answer the bell every time we rang it in terms of acquiring horses and presenting them as partnership opportunities under the Eclipse umbrella. So without our partners, there's no way we could purchase horses privately off the racetrack, go to the two-year-old and training sales. And as you mentioned, we're getting into the thick of the yearling auction market as we speak. We've been to Phasic July in Lexington, of course, the select sale here at Saratoga and just recently the New York bread sale this past week. Uh, so we've started off conservatively and bought a handful, but you're absolutely right in saying that you've always got to be looking towards the future because the reality is that there's always going to be uh, a revolving door of equine talent coming through any stable. The attrition rate is naturally high. That's mm -hmm. just what comes with the territory. These are incredibly fragile animals and uh, they don't have a long shelf life in a lot of cases. So it's important that you're always trying to back up your existing <laughs> stable with prospects for the future. And that's what the yearling sales are all about. Uh, it might sound like they're long-term plays, but we're already in late August, early September, and mm -hmm. these horses are starting to get broken and trained wherever that might be, whether it's down in Florida or Kentucky or California in our, our case, uh, anywhere across the country. But, you know, we're, we're in the heart of getting these two-year-olds now so this time next year these babies that are getting bought at the sales with keeneland right around the corner um they're going to be the ones that have to carry the torch as i said earlier and and hopefully uh we're able to maintain and sustain uh, our ability to identify this talent at an early age like these yearlings and put them into the right breaking and training program and turn them over to the right uh, trainers and then do right by them. So you got to treat them all as individuals and, and hope that there's some talent and some class that shines through ultimately. And one filly that you purchased at the Keeneland September sale last year came up and made her debut at Saratoga Kaling, who she was really impressive and, and had really touted herself prior to the race and um, was one that kind of stood out to me when I was looking at your results. Can you tell me the, the excitement of of course, winning a graded stake, that's what we always go for. But I think a two-year-old first time out at Saratoga, it's got to be nothing more special than that. It's so cool. And I just actually finished watching Kaling have her, her <laughs> daily gallop here at Saratoga. And we've got our sights set on the spin away, hopefully on September 4th. And, you know, it's funny you say that, Acacia, because when I go to these yearling sales and whether it's at Phasig or Keeneland or, or anywhere across the country and I inspect these horses and you, you go back and they make your short list and you go back and you do your second looks and you start to hone in on really who are your draft choices here and who are we going to try to add to the stable. I try to envision them being displayed to me on the shank at these sales and project into the future how will this horse stand up in the paddock mm -hmm. at Saratoga or mm -hmm. Del Mar the following summer so to go from the sales grounds at Keeneland and watching a horse just walk for you 
to watching them progress and get broken and trained to showing up in the paddock at Saratoga, going out and putting on a show in incredibly professional and potentially brilliant fashion, being named a TDN Rising Star and then immediately pointing for a grade one with such rich history like the Spinaway, that's what it's all about. You know, that's what we all live for. It's what fuels my fire and gets my blood pumping every morning is going out and trying to find that equine talent that you can execute that type of game plan with. We're going to be wrong way more than we're going to be right in this game. That's just the nature of the business. And anybody that tells you different is lying because <laughs> nobody's right more than they're wrong in this game. We're definitely wrong more than we're right. But you hope that you're right enough that it makes up for the majority of the time that you're wrong. And, and those moments are what are so special for uh, the staff at Eclipse that puts so much blood, sweat, and tears into the process. And of course, for our deserving partners who put up their hard-earned dollars to participate in our Eclipse partnerships. And that's the moment that we want to get them to on the big stage with that horse that you can begin to really dream about. We talked about Nest, exciting two-year-old Kaling. You had Aloha West winning the Breeders' Cup Sprint this past fall. Looking at the model of Eclipse that, that you and Brian Spearman have put together and just where you've come as a syndicate in the past several years and how you've grown, can you talk just a little bit about that journey and just kind of the, the appreciation, the excitement of getting to this point? Because as we talked about, it's not easy to get here. There's a lot that can go wrong with bringing these horses along and and seeing the success. And I, I guess really the respect and appreciation that people have when seeing your colors on a particular horse when they get to the racetrack. Wow, that's humbling to hear you say that. And I really <laughs> appreciate it for sure. And yeah, it's it's a team effort. You know, when we masterminded this 10 plus years ago, it was only a dream to be in the position that we're in now and to have achieved what we've achieved in this window of time, like a hundred and something stakes wins, 20 grade ones, uh, two breeders cups, a classic win, several classic placings, a Royal Ascot win, an Australian Oaks to our credit. You know, these are historic races and, and that's really what Eclipse was designed for from the beginning is to make history for our partners and and I just can't express this enough if it's not for partners who put their faith and support into the Eclipse program and then really talk the talk and walk the walk in terms of putting their hard-earned dollars into the program there's just no way that we even exist let alone our seeing our silks every weekend across the country in major races so it's, it's a team effort internally here at Eclipse, whether it's uh, my business partner, Brian Spearman, my right-hand woman who's been with me from day one, Kelsey Marshall, who was a TIEA award winner last year, uh, the crew down in Aiken, Bill Victor, Jack Sadler, Andrew Aquino, Karen Long, that sort of hold the back office together, and then a recent addition, Sean Tugel, who's our VP of Bloodstock. So... Um, it's a team effort internally and then a real tribute to our partners. And at the end of the day, it's really about the horsemen and women and the horses themselves that, that go out there and perform week in and week out carrying the baby blue and black silk. So 
I'm not the type that really sits back and reflects too often. <laughs> uh, but there are moments when when you are able to, I'm always looking forward, even after a big win, it's what's next and what's mm-hmm. next, because I truly believe it's the ultimate, what have you done for me lately game. But yeah. there are moments that you could sort of sit back for a second, take a deep breath and really soak it all in and appreciate how far we've come and, and where we're at. I, I flew in last night with my family and, and it's been several years since we've all been able to come from our home base in California to Saratoga because of COVID and we've got young kids. So it's hard to travel and they've got camp and sports and school. Um, But I've got my wife Talia and my son Jack, who hasn't been here in five years. Um, He's only 10. And and my daughter Sadie, who's an avid equestrian and she was with me when Nest won the coaching club. So that was a fun daddy daughter trip, but you sit back and you look like when Jack was just born. We were just starting Eclipse and we would come up here for the summer and shake hands and kiss babies with <laughs> like two horses in the stable, you know, and we were just grinding it out, hoping to win one and get people's blood, blood pumping. And, you know, to, to remember that struggle and putting in that work and trying to build from the bottom up and, and to be where we are today is, is greatly humbling. And, so many people and horses are uh, deserving of credit for that. But like I always say, we got to keep it going. And, and this is, is this is an unforgiving game and we don't take it oh, for yes. granted that we've done what we've done and that hopefully we can continue to do what we do for our partners um, because you could get, uh, you could get left behind very quickly and it's, it's a lot easier to get to the top of the mountain than to stay there. But we hope that we're there and we intend to stay here. Well, we cannot wait to see the, the super talented nest this weekend in the Alabama. Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time and, and giving all your insight. Um, really, really appreciate it. And again, best of luck this weekend. Thanks so much, Acacia. Thanks for thinking of us and thanks for having us on. And that's it for another episode of In the Ring. Thank you so much to my guests, Lynn Hancock and Aaron Wellman. Um, Again, hope you really enjoyed looking back on the yearling sales that we just had up here in Saratoga. And I got a little bit more insight leading into that grade one Alabama this weekend, which should be an absolute throwdown of some super talented three-year-old fillies. I can't wait for that race coming up this weekend. Uh, Thanks as always to Gainsway for their support of the show. Please feel free to share this with your friends. I had uh, several people come up to me at the sales actually saying that they enjoyed the podcast, which was the biggest compliment that I could ever have received and uh, have really enjoyed kind of carving out this little corner of the horse racing world and talking about this side of the industry with some really interesting people. So thank you for that. Um, I have received some requests of things that people will be interested in hearing about. So I'm working on integrating those into the shows in the next couple weeks. So appreciate um, you all chiming in too. As always, please make sure you're signed up for the in the money media newsletter lots of great content over there from my colleagues and we'll be back next week with another episode of in the ring thanks as always i'll see you next time everyone <laughs>